you're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I'm here today with Thibaut Serol, VP MEA at Snowflake. How are you today, Thibaut? I'm very good, thanks, and uh, very happy to um, attend your podcast. How are you, Aurélien? And by the way, Aria, your, your English accent is way better than mine from what I heard. It's a shame that we are recording a podcast. We won't be able to uh, to give our audience subtitle on that one. But yeah. uh, we'll we, we try to speak quickly. I do have uh, lots of, of French clients and business partners. And sometimes we, I know that when we get excited, we can speak very quickly in English. So let's try to uh, let's try to not get too excited. But there you go. So Thibaut, today we want to speak about the, the old Leadership is broken. That's the topic that you selected today. And I think it's an interesting one. It's linked to uh, an article that you posted on LinkedIn. It's disruptive. It's exactly what we like. But before we get into the topic, would you please just introduce yourself quickly to our audience as well as your, the company you represent, Snowflake? Sure. So in a couple of words, so my name is Thibaut Serol. So I'm, uh, I'm French, but uh, I live in the UK for five years now. Uh, leading different um, EMEA organization and, and software. So I started working for Snowflake in March 2017. I'm working for the software industry uh, now for um, roughly 20 years with different uh, leadership positions and with companies like Bazaar Voice, uh, with a digital marketing software company, BFCC Software or, uh, or HP. So Snowflake is um, the first data warehouse, data warehouse that has been built for the cloud. So sync and build for the cloud. So for people who are not familiar about what a data warehouse is doing is where you store and when you, where you will process your data. It's like an engine for a car. So where, where you will have, so we are not a visualization tool. We are not a BI tool, but they need to access to analytics database. And this is what Snowflake is doing. So we are, and, um, and just to make this uh, simple, I, I try to take the analogy of Salesforce, what they did on CRM or ServiceNow, what they did on service management. Uh, they were solutions sync for the cloud and they became a solution de facto. They were the most uh, disruptive. And this is what we, we try to do for the market of data warehouse. Uh, so I was the first employee uh, outside the US. So it's a company based in uh, San Mateo, close okay. to San Francisco. And um, so first employee, I started alone in a very small office uh, in, a, in a small rework and uh, build this activity from zero. We are now uh, in Europe, so in two years and a half, uh, 200 people um, wow. in, 10, in 10 different countries. And, um, and so the company is progressing fast. So we have a, we have a growth of a 3x uh, company-wide and we are... We are at 400 percent of growth year over year uh, for EMEA, and we just signed our um, uh, 300 customer yesterday. So it's, it was a big wow. milestone. Congratulations, guys! Thank you. Well, congratulations to the company and to you. Uh, you know, starting on your own, 200 people now. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. So yeah, it's a it's a fantastic journey, Thibault. So coming back to the topic of the conversation, and, and as I mentioned, the, the article that we caught our attention on LinkedIn. You highlight through your experience that companies need to adapt their management style, especially in a fast-growing startup. And clearly, as per your introduction, you are in a very fast-growing startup, okay? And, and one of the statements that caught my attention was that, and I quote you, a company culture is hard to, put, to protect during growth. So 
can I please ask you to elaborate into you know what you mean by that statement and 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 also how do you think that a company or what a company should do in order to protect their culture during growth? Yeah. So as I said, I, I'm working in this space for like uh, for like 20 years. So I went through many companies and I and I have a an extensive uh, network on software companies. So what, what you see right now uh, is on, on the market, you have three kinds of, of companies. It's not only software, but it's in general, but mainly for software and hyper-growth companies. You have companies that will focus only on execution and numbers. So this will be their strategy. You have companies that now are focusing more on culture. culture. And uh, you have rare companies that can, uh, so this is a third category, that can combine the two without being fake, because the problem of culture is uh, everybody is saying, uh, I have a culture, but they, they are not necessarily real. And uh, and I think that's one of the reasons I choose uh, to, to start uh, working for Snowflake was uh, because they were able to combine the two, so the right execution and the right culture. So most of the time, the problem occurs with growth and, and lack uh, of good behavior. And uh, unfortunately, this can come... Um, from the salespeople, so so you you can with the experience I have on this uh, on this specific market, it's very important. The, the bad behavior can come from the sales side because they are anger of success of uh, for success, and they want to make sure that they they will do the more that they can do, and sometimes they think about themselves instead of thinking about the company. So the first thing is the culture needs to come from the top with humble leaders. It's very important. So the humility is something. Uh, uh, extremely important that also attracted me in this company. So it's coming from our, our founders. They are extremely uh, humble and they try to tend uh, to apply uh, this uh, in the in, in the company. And the first thing and priority that you need to have is the quality of hiring because the culture is is depending on the people you hire. And so advice is to never compromise on hiring. And when I started, uh, I tried to put uh, in place what I call a no asshole uh, policy hiring. <laughs> So what does it mean? It means that I want to make sure that the guys, we have plenty of different men and women uh, coming from different uh, organizations, but we are trying to make sure that they are not uh, selfish, only thinking about themselves. They don't not only come uh, for the money, but they are also good people for the team and for the teamwork. Sure. Sure. When we do interview, we ask a lot of examples. For example, I asked some questions regarding example of integrity. Integrity is, is for me, the, the first qualities that people need to have. And, and I ask examples and during, during, the, during the interview process and, and also regarding the teamwork. And, uh, and after that, we backed uh, with, uh, with like three or, or four, uh, four references. But we need to be realistic. It's tough. It's a hard job when you hire, and especially when you hire more people and, uh, and everybody can, can do mistakes, and I did. And the more you grow, the more difficult it is because you meet so many people and sometimes the human nature, you can cut corners and you can think, okay, this guy has an extensive network. He will, uh, he will bring me a lot of uh, deals short term, but I have something in my gut uh, that is not yeah. necessary, necessary good. And this is something that you will always pay back badly after. So one thing that I always try to think is when I meet people is if there is one doubt, there is no doubt. And this is something... Uh, uh, quite uh, quite important that to make sure that we will, when you hire somebody, the interview needs to be simple. So it's a simple Absolutely. conversation. As Absolutely. soon as as it's complex, it's it's quite difficult. No, I agree. I think I think one of the things that is interesting. So if I look at at what we're trying to do at Operatic, so we we don't grow as quickly as you guys grow. 
think we would struggle if we were growing by like almost three x year on year. But we 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 are a service business, so we are people led business, and obviously we, as we grow, if we grow by 50% or if we grow by 100%, we'll have to double the team or add, uh, you know, half of the team on top of what we've already got. And what we always try to say or what we try to do, or what actually what's the most important for me is really to speak to people who are looking for a career versus a job. And, and, and I think if they're looking at a career and when you have the chance to be an organization like yours, with evolving very quickly, super fast pace, or an organization like us, which we'd like to believe is is growing quickly in in the in the segment we we are operating in, you then have the opportunity to create opportunity for promotion, uh, okay. and people can get promoted to roles. They can take on more responsibilities. They can really develop themselves, and and that's what we've done here at Operatics. And I think I'd like to say, and I, I, maybe I won't be by my team on saying that, but I'd like to say that we created a very strong culture, but. That culture has come at a cost, which is maybe we have slowed on our growth. Maybe it would have been quicker for me to not promote that guy to a manager position, but get a manager that's, I don't know, as an MBA in, uh, in sales and marketing and could come with lots of ideas for experience and cost me a little bit more money. So, you know, we've, we've really made the decision to really promote from within. And actually, apart from our finance department, absolutely everyone in the management team has come from the bottom. And we do believe that that creates a very strong culture indeed. But, you know, the cost of that is probably a, a little bit of a slower growth, a little bit more of learning by mistake. But, you know, I, I think culture, like, like you painted, is, is very important for the growth of a company. And the last point that I will make, which, you know, to, to wrap up the, the topic is, I think culture is also important when you've got a newcomer into the team. So if you have a team that you've got the same level of people, the same, as you mentioned, level of integrity, humility, people who've got a good level of teamwork, and you've got a new starter coming in, you've got someone who just come into a lovely environment where they can really benefit, work with their colleague, learn from their colleague. And I think that's actually critical in, in helping new starters to really get going and get to revenue quicker. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, yeah, to your sure. point, two things yeah. that I that I try to to use, and one of my previous mentors said, and I re, I will remember this all my life is never confuse a title and an opportunity. And this is something that, uh, especially with new generation right now, they they tend to go after the the, the title instead of uh, the opportunity too quick. And yeah, this is something to um, to to remember. And I agree with you. You know, we, I had the conversation actually yesterday with one of our clients and we had a conversation about promoting BDR people. So, you know, people who are just uh, doing pipeline generation and that sort of activities to to fill sales rep or to channel sales rep, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and basically what we, um, what, what we talked about is there is a change in terms of the mentality and some people call them the millennials. Some people, I would just call it a younger generation, you know. Yeah. And what we used to see in the past, you could get someone and say, look, you're going to go and do that for me for three months, six months. If you do well, I'm going to give you the title. I'm going to give you the pay increase. And off you go. You know, you're going to be you're gonna be a new person. And, and that was working pretty well. And people will actually work really hard to get to the milestone to actually get the opportunity. Now... The feeling that I've got is that you go to people and you almost need to give them the role, the pay package and everything before they can even demonstrate the ability of taking care of the responsibilities. So I think there is, I think you are perfectly right. There is a, there is a bit of a 
a shift of mindset sometimes within the, the younger generation, which can make decision a little bit more difficult because obviously if someone has proven themselves, it's much easier to give them responsibility rather than someone who's just uh, speaking about being good, basically. Yeah, well, the only thing that I want to say because I, I don't like uh, when people are, ba are bashing uh, too much uh, millennials. Uh, yeah. Why? Because I think this this generation and young generation right now is probably the most talented. So yes, they they have this this attitude of having the things very fast and and to switch and not necessarily the same loyalty that we had by the past. But with all the business schools worldwide and with now, we have a lot of very, very good quality uh, people. So our responsibility is to, to grow those, those people. But uh, I'm, I'm literally, impressed, literally impressed now with, with very young people on uh, what they can do, what they can produce. And if you trust them and if you build the team in a meritocratic way of working, it's priceless. Absolutely. And, and you, we need to adapt. You know, this is the, I think the people that will suffer And the people that will complain about it are the people that are not ready to adapt. And adapting is important, but talents are key and retaining talents is, is, is critical for any business. So another statement that caught my attention in, uh, in, in the article uh, is when you mentioned that negative work experiences often result for a more complex structure of management where there is more hierarchy, which often facilitates a, a judgmental, imposing style of leadership that can also lead to pessimism and fear in the team. So how do you see this model changing into a more flexible, open source style of leadership? And why is this change so needed in a fast growing company? Yeah, so on that specifically, so as I said, I worked in very fast pace with a lot of pressure environment all my career. So I don't have any problem with pressure, but Uh, some fast when you are in fast growing company obviously uh, you have you, most of the time you have pressure uh, behind so i learned a lot uh, close to um, great leaders but what i learned quite quickly uh, working with them it's important to remain yourself and to not imitate uh, somebody and those leaders those leaders so we can be extremely uh, charismatic where everything is led by them are unique in a sense. And, and you have a lot of very good examples of very strong, charismatic leaders uh, who were extremely good boss. Uh, Steve Jobs is one example. But what you have, and especially in software company and software sales, uh, you have some people that are below and that are promoted and they can have the tendency of imitating them because of the charisma and the career track that those leaders had. But they don't have the same experience They don't have the same talent. And the problem, it leads sometimes to, confu to confusing situation and possibly inappropriate uh, comportment because they, they think uh, they need to control everything. And if they will be tough, this will be positive and people will follow and do uh, what they ask. But coming back to new generation, as I said previously, they, they buy into challenge. They buy into uh, how you respect them and how you will make them grow in their career. So this is something, they, they are switch generation. They can, today it's not complex to have a job in a software company as soon as you have a, a proper track record. So with the number of startups that are popping up and the number of companies in the market, but the problem, if they are not working with the right manager, if they are not working with the right company, if they don't learn enough, they will switch. So what we mean with open, open source management It's not everything needs to come from this top leader. 
and not only one person uh, in the company. So this needs to come from different talents in the team and different titles. And you don't have to be shy or you don't have to, uh, to be uh, restrained of having people that will share some ideas, best practices, instead of dictating everything yourself. And for example, I try to give a lot of responsibilities to uh, first-line managers in my team, and they will take the lead on a specific sub subject, like pipeline generation. Or two weeks ago, I did a, a two-day bootcamp of, of training of managers that I lead, but I did that with a first-line manager. And he was, he was teaching the other, uh, the other uh, manager in the team. So what we mean by open source management is really the talents are everywhere. Try to take benefits from them and not try to, uh, to control everything, uh, everything yourself. Of course. Now that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. So the, my next question is really around what we also something that you, you mentioned in your introduction is, is your journey within Snowflake. So we've been speaking about, uh, uh, about the culture of the company. We've been speaking about you know, title hierarchy, that open source leadership type of management. Obviously, as you mentioned, you, you started at Snowflake as employee number one. Now you've got around 200 people uh, working with you in Europe. So what I'd like to understand is from your own experience, how do you, could you, could you just tell us how you've been adapting your management style? Uh, you know, did you feel that going from 50 to 100 employees was a big difference? But is there any specific step of the journey in which you found it more difficult to adapt as compared the different stages of growth of, of Snowflakes in Europe? Yeah, so creating, creating a EMEI from, a, from scratch for a US company is like sometimes uh, creating your own company. First, yeah. because the US in San Francisco, they wake up at it's like 3.30 p.m. for you uh, or 4 p.m. Uh, so it's quite difficult because it means that you need to adapt yourself. And sometimes, what does it mean? It, mean, it means that quite quickly, you need autonomy on, on decisions that you, that you need to take. But you already mentioned that in many podcasts that I hear already. And uh, where EMEA is not only one country like the US, it's multiple countries, multiple language, multiple culture. Yeah. And yeah. You, need to, you need to teach the US uh, also on that. Um, so at the beginning, I will say, like for customers, when you start, so first you, you need to want to, to do that. So I was young enough to say, okay, I'm, I'm okay to build, to start again from scratch, being a, a sales again, uh, to sell the first project myself. And after that, I will attract the talents. I was leading 100, 140 people before joining and I, and I started, but I was ready to do it. And what you need to do at the beginning in terms of progression, at the, at the beginning, we need to find risk, risk takers. So not only for customers, but also candidates. And when we launched, people thought that uh, I was selling uh, ice cream. So it's, it's a true story. So people literally <laughs> think when you are, when you are, because you are living in London, I think, right? and yeah. in London, you have like snowflake ice cream shops. So people were thinking that I was like, a fortune. Okay. Yeah, with people. the music, you know, like the truck. Exactly. So, uh, so it, was, uh, it was not that. And um, so now, uh, obviously, the notoriety and the, and the successes uh, help uh, to attract uh, talents uh, more easily. But at the beginning, the problem we have, it's exactly when you have a first manage management role, uh, you need to be careful to not do things too fast. So uh, now we are working on operationalizing things uh, everywhere and we are quite in advance compared to everything I saw before in, uh, in terms of company. But at the beginning, you need to be a Swiss knife and you need to uh, do the sales and uh, 
I remember I, I, I had some picture where I was buying the first furniture in IKEA that I that I that I did in the in the office. So obviously you have difference into the team, pressing on operationalization. We are a data-driven company, so all decisions that we are taking uh, at the beginning, it was expansion. Now we are focusing on the main market we uh, we uh, open, and we we need to operationalize uh, every every function of the organization. Uh, to your question of is there a difference in terms of size, I would say there is a big difference when you are uh, zero to like fifty people, yeah, and uh, and after that, and and uh, so I don't see between one hundred and two hundred people necessarily a big difference, but zero to fifty is very is like a family. So you work uh, all together, and you have dedication and. Uh, and everybody is uh, is like super creative, and, and the energy is uh, at the beginning is extremely uh, important. But you need to do everything, and you need to, to you need to have flexibility uh, at the beginning when you start. But when you when you grow after, well, this is the time where where you start to say no to certain things, and this is something that uh, that is evolving. But the m- most important thing, whatever your size, is to remain approachable, whatever you do, and have an open door policy. So everybody needs to feel free to talk problems, yeah. about yeah. behaviors, um, certain uh, things where they need help, and see the kind of uh, mindset that we try to have within the team. Okay. And do you think there is people that are better at one stage of growth versus another? So for example, you may say, well, I consider that guy is the sort of guy that will take a company from zero to 100 million. Yeah. That's his specialty. You know, so do, do you believe in that? Or do you think that people can also adapt as well as the management to to grow within a company? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a very good question. Why? I think we are a little bit disruptive uh, because, because of that also. I will say uh, yes, yes and no. So what I mean is, for example, the CRO that we have was the first man on the ground and is now uh, leading uh, the, all the sales organization uh, worldwide. But he had, yeah. he, had the, he had the potential. So he, grow, he grew with the company. And I think it's changing a little bit. I, I don't like necessarily the idea, uh, and, and it can come also from uh, from VC when they invest in your company and say, okay, you have this gap now, you need to change your team. But they realized that we were overperforming, and and he was able to adapt and be uh, be the right guy. So uh, obviously, I try to to do the same. But also, the teams that that I have now are, are people that that can that can grow with uh, with the company. So to it's not necessarily um, 100% the reality that we need to change. The only thing that I will say is when I started, I needed some specific resources with specific uh, market background that I, that we need less now. And, and the core qualities of sales are more important now than the market, uh, that the market competencies. And this is, but at the beginning, you need knowledge and you need uh, to share that with the team. So this, this is uh, the lesson learned, I think. Okay, makes sense. Well, thanks for that. And lastly, that's, that's my last question to you. What would be the one advice that you would give to leaders that are managing their team in a fast-growing environment? If you had to sum up what all the things we discussed, what you believe is the most important? The, the first one will be to remain yourself and, and work on your strengths. So too many times we try to do to do what, what some, somebody else is, is doing. At the beginning, don't put too many processes straight away. You, you need to lead by example. You need to show to everybody that if you do it, they will uh, they will respect you at the end, especially new gen- generation. They need to understand that you need you fight for them and you win hearts and mind before going straight to operation or to operation. And you need to be a problem solver for them. So this is, uh, I would say, yeah, it's a long answer. But focus on your strengths, be yourself, and be a problem solver and lead lead, lead by example. 
Well, that makes all sense. And I think that's, there are three very important pieces of advice. So I'm 100% behind you on that one. Thanks for your insight, Thibault. I really appreciate you took the time. I know it's, today is the last day of the quarter. So uh, I appreciate it. We, we can do the call today. It probably means that you guys have had a very good quarter if you, if you allow me the time to speak to you today. So probably congratulations for that. But at this stage of the podcast, we always ask the same question. So we have some of our audience that like to take conversation offline with some of the people we invite. But we also, we may have some people that may be interested to know more about Snowflake, the, the company that yeah. you represent. So what is the best way to get in touch with you, Thibault, if anyone of our, from our audience wanted to, to, to connect? So, so the best is, uh, is to use, is to use uh, LinkedIn. So yeah. I think I still have like 400 invitations pending, but uh, if you have the right message and the right, I will always accept. And, and by the way, you were, uh, Aurélien, yourself persuasive enough uh, when you contacted me and I think I answered back uh, immediately. So it's, if you uh, write me uh, on, on LinkedIn, I will, uh, this will be the best way to, uh, to get in contact. Did you tell that I had a French name? Yeah, but I didn't, I, 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 I didn't, uh, no, but I didn't catch this uh, immediately. But it was more the content of uh, operatics, honestly. Well, that's great. That's great to Thank you very much for that. Many thanks again. It was great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. 